0: book of Acts this morning, Acts chapter number two, Acts chapter number two, and we look forward to what God has for us this morning out of his word. I don't know about you, but I've already been blessed uh, by the music, I've already been blessed by the fellowship. And I look forward to uh, looking into the Word of God this morning uh, for help and instruction. Uh, This morning, I am going to read uh, beginning with verse number 41 down through verse number 47. And uh, I want to take the time this morning to uh, remind us uh, of some very important things when it comes to the church and uh, this world and uh, Satan, the great deceiver, this world, likes to redefine things. Uh, we see things that are being redefined in, in our day to day. We're wanting to redefine what marriage is, but God has already established what marriage is. We want to redefine what gender is, but God's already established that. And uh, uh, the world will even redefine what a church is. And uh, But we have to go to the scripture to be reminded what God says about his church, and I always want to uh, uh, be reminded of certain things in my own life so that I stay true uh, to Him and true to His Word. Uh, you'll understand this morning as we get into the message, Acts chapter number 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received His Word were baptized, and the same day there were added under them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. This morning, I want to use this passage of Scripture, and I want to preach on this subject, the effect of a, 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 the effect a risen Savior has on the church, the effect of a risen Savior on the church. We celebrate a risen Savior, don't we? Uh, there should be an effect then on His church. That is the result of a risen Savior. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to open your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be in church today. Father, I pray that as the preaching of the word of God begins, may the Spirit of God speak to our hearts. May we put our focus on what you have for us today. Uh, Father, I'm mindful that uh, there may be some in the service this morning, some uh, watching by live stream, listening on radio, who may not know Christ as their personal Savior. They uh, may have never given it thought. They uh, may have their faith in the wrong place in man or in some other institution. And Father, I pray this morning that the Spirit of God would have liberty so that He could uh, convict them and so they know their need of a Savior. May today be their day of salvation. And Father, those of us who have already made that decision and put our faith in Christ, may we be reminded of the importance of the church today. May we be reminded of the effect that uh, Christ being resurrected has on the church this morning. May we play our role, do our part, keep our focus where it should be. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. As we look at the ministry of Christ and we come to Acts chapter number one, certainly our emphasis in this a seven-week campaign that we're focused on the fact that we have a risen Savior, we're reminded that Jesus came to this earth to uh, pay man's sins. He came with a purpose to being the sacrificial lamb and uh, fulfilling the, old te- the prophecies of the Old Testament, uh, him being that sin sacrifice so that all men could be saved. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, he calls the disciples out Uh, from what they were doing to follow him. Uh, They left their profession, they left their way of life, they left the security of their homes and forsook everything to follow Christ. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. They believed Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, They believed that he was sent from heaven and they believed on him uh, for their salvation. They believed in him and they would serve Christ and follow Christ. This is the founding of the church. We refer to Christ as the founder of the church. He is the one who called out these men to Him. Uh, Anyone who claims to be a church and they call people out to anybody other than Christ is not a church. There are churches today, and the Catholic church comes to mind, who they demand your allegiance be to the church even more to what Christ said. When we give more reverence to what the Pope says than what Jesus says, uh, that's all we need to know in understanding what is a true church and what what is not. But Christ called those disciples to Him. We have paid much attention to over the last several weeks of Christ's time of crucifixion and Him taking on the sins of the world, having lived a perfect life, being born of a virgin. He gave down his life, and three days after he was crucified, he was resurrected from the dead. He, we looked in Sunday school this morning of the chronological times that uh, he revealed himself after the resurrection. Last Sunday, as we looked at the ascension of Christ, we Come to Acts chapter number 1, and Jesus blesses those men, those followers, His disciples. He gives them instructions in verse number 8 of what they should do. It's the, I like to call it the Acts 1-8 mandate. They are to go and they are to be witnesses unto Him. What does that mean? It means go and tell everyone of the death, the burial, the resurrection, of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. They are to go and preach the gospel. Uh, he also reminds them, and I remind you that is a mandate that has instructions to the church. He reminds them in Acts 1, verse 8, as well, that they need to wait on the Holy Spirit power. That is the only way they are going to be able to do or fulfill the command that he has given them. Of course, he tells them to go into Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. In Acts chapter number 1, in verses 13 and 14, you find these men, you find them going back to Jerusalem you find them amongst others, and you can take the time to read it as the disciples, and there were others there, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, and other women were there. This is an assembly of God's church. They pray, and they get the spirit, they get the power of God on their life and their ministry, and now that the church is in power to go and do what Jesus has commanded them to do. Everybody follow me? We come to Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 1 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come there were all with one accord in one place Peter is going to stand and he is going to preach and he is going to preach a very pointed message of the resurrection of Christ Let me draw your attention to verse number 37 of chapter 2 follow along with me Now when they heard this what did they hear they heard the message that Peter preached under the power of the Spirit of God, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter confronted them with the fact that they had crucified the Son of God. Jesus had risen from the dead. He was crucified. They were sinners and with, without hope. And then when they heard this, they asked that question, Well, what shall we do? Peter had an answer in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, "Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost." Now I don't have time to, to, to a lot of time to take on this, but what he is saying is, repent. That's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's put your faith in Christ and not yourself. The baptism is the, the is the identification. We'll talk about in a moment. And at at salvation, when you got saved, when I got saved, the Spirit of God dwells within us. Verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And what he says is anybody who wants to be saved can be saved. Your children could be saved. Your children's children could be saved. Their children can be saved. And their children can be saved. As many as want to be saved can be saved. We look at the fact that Jesus was resurrected and there's some things that I want us to see in our text, verse 41 to the end of the chapter. That brings us to our text, the fact that Jesus came and fulfilled his earthly purpose. And in doing so, he called out his church, called to him. He ascends to heaven, gives a command, gives a mission, gives a focus to the church. And by the way the focus is still the same today. It has not changed. He ascends to heaven and he leaves behind his church to fulfill that purpose. As we look at this early church, we're going to see some things in these verses of Scripture we read this morning that are a result of the fact there is a risen Savior. And I would submit to you this morning that these very same things should be true in his church today. There still should be an effect felt by the church of a risen Savior. The church is more than a social gathering. The church is more than a club. The church has a mission. It was founded by Christ. It was given its mission by Christ is to be faithful, preaching the gospel of Christ, waiting for the return of Christ. Notice with me in verse number 41. We begin to see the effect of a risen Savior on the church. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I want you to notice, number one, there were additions to the church. 41 they were added unto them who's the them it's the church it's those that received the commission from christ it's those that met in that upper room and prayed for the power it's it's those that preached that day they were added to them who was added to them look at verse 41 the, then they that gladly received his word what does that mean the word that you must believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, what they were confronted with, their sinful condition, and the law could not save them. A church could not save them. But they must believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And that would save them. Now, this was a message, and we don't have time this morning, but I would encourage you to read the message that Peter preached. It was pretty strong. Very pointed. You crucified Christ. You crucified the Son of God. But He's risen again. Those that gladly received that word, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, they were saved. It's still true today. The church is a place for saved people to belong. What are the requirements of the church? Do you have to do, and we put all these little boxes, do you have to do this, and do you have to, 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 to participate in this, do you have to do this, and going this, this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address that today, and it's good for us all to be reminded of what the Scripture says concerning the church. But to be part of God's church, you must be saved. It's not enough to be religious. Peter was preaching to religious people. That's why they were assembled together. They were religious people but they had to receive the word that we are all sinners, and because of our sin, we are on our way to hell to pay for our sins. But Jesus, who's now resurrected, paid that sin debt for us so that we might be saved, and we must not believe on the law, we must not believe on our own goodness, we must not believe on our own righteousness, but on the the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, if you receive that word by faith, those individuals had not seen a risen Savior, as we documented this morning, that Peter had. But they received the word by faith. Just like with these eyes, I've never laid eyes on the risen Savior. But, oh, I received that message by faith. And this morning, if you were part of God's church, it's because you were added by salvation. It's the first thing that takes place. Now, notice this, they gladly received that salvation. Then verse 41 says, his word were baptized. Now, let me just remind you, baptism has nothing to do with salvation. You cannot be saved by being baptized. You say, well, I grew up Catholic, and when I was little, I was baptized. All you did was just get a bath. That did not save you. Because the first part, gladly receive the word. How can an infant receive the word? They can't receive the word. They must understand, just like you had to understand, that I needed a Savior. I needed a a payment for my sin. But baptized, what is baptism? It's identification. After I receive the Word, I am baptized, which signifies the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Now today no matter what you believe, and even false churches and false teachings, they have some sort of baptism. And there are some, and this is really big in the contemporary churches today, your decision for Christ is simply baptism. Friend, that will not get you to heaven. Baptism has nothing to do with heaven. But as John the Baptist baptized Jesus, the believer in Acts chapter number 2, when they were saved, they were baptized to identify with the one they crucified. We have been saved from our religion. We have been saved from the law. We've been saved from our sins. We, we believe, we readily believed, and received this word. And then they were baptized. What were they? They were identified with Christ. They were identified with his church. Then it says, under, says they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They were added unto the church. When? Upon salvation, upon baptism. These are still scriptural requirements for membership in a scriptural New Testament church. This is the, reason, the effect of a risen Savior. I'm believing the Word, I'm trusting Christ. I'm baptized, identifying with him. Now, uh, it, it brings about the question that if, if, it is, if receiving the word is salvation upon the, the message of a risen Savior, refusing salvation is to refuse the fact that we have a, re- a risen Savior. Why would somebody re- refuse the fact that Jesus is resurrected? Because they're refusing that he's the payment of their sins. Likewise, at the moment that we trust Christ as our Savior, at the first opportunity, we ought to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Why? Because it identifies us with Christ. It identifies us with His church. Baptism will not save you. You can get saved and never be baptized, and you'll still be saved. But why would you not identify with Christ? Why would you not be willing to identify with his church? It bothers me today when a Christian, somebody who claims to be a child of God, does not want to be identified with the people of God. These individuals were aware Jesus had been crucified not too long before. The Roman Empire was still in control. They heard the message preached that Christ had been crucified and rose again. And they readily believed and trusted Christ and in that political atmosphere said, identify me with the one that they crucified. It bothers me and you can apply this to whatever political affiliation you want to when Christians are more ready to identify with Donald Trump than they are Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you that, that you should or shouldn't as far as the political goes, but I'm just saying, if you've been saved, you ought to get in the water and be scripturally baptized. Why? Because that's identifying you with Christ. Why would a Christian who, because of the resurrection, receives salvation, why would they not want to be added to this church? The effect of a risen Savior on the church means that there were additions to the church. Quite frankly, if we are going to do, if we do what Christ commanded his church to do, and that's to be witnesses unto him, I don't know what to say. Tell people what happened to you. I trusted Christ. I knew I was a sinner. I was only, that's being a witness unto him. Then there ought to be additions to the church. There are not additions to the church when we are not fulfilling the command that God gave His church. Then I see number two. Hold on, it's going to get worse. Look at verse 42. Now, this is verse 41. They received His word, they were saved, they were baptized, they were added. There was identification. To be added to means you belong. You're, you're, at, you're, you're, you're added to, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. So there was involvement in the church. After they were added to, they continued. How did they continue? Steadfastly, meaning firmly. It means they attended. It means they participated in. It means they were part of. Notice in Scripture, bears it out. Notice what it says. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, this was not Peter's doctrine. This was not Philip's doctrine. This was not Thomas's doctrine. This was Jesus' doctrine that the apostles were teaching. This was the, the, the word of God. They continued in that doctrine, the teaching of Christ. Because of the resurrection, if you're saved this morning, uh, you should be scripturally baptized, identifying with what Jesus did so you might be saved. It's letting this world know, I am identifying with Christ. I'm identifying with His church. And then, because of the resurrection, there ought to be involvement in the church. There ought to be more involvement in God's church than there is in the gym you joined four years ago and have attended twice. They continued steadfastly under the teaching. That's why if you've yet to make it a habit to be in Sunday school, you need to be in Sunday school. Why? There's teaching. The Sunday school lesson this morning gave great doctrinal important things. There's teaching we got to be under the teaching every time we have an opportunity. There's that doctrine. Now, the disciples, that, they were teaching the doctrine of Christ. There was other doctrines of that day. And you're here because you've chosen to be here, and I commend you for that. You need to be very, very careful. There's a lot of churches out there. They teach a doctrine, but it's not Christ's doctrine. And just because they have a fellowship or just because they have a function, uh, don't dismiss the doctrine that's being taught. But notice also what is what said. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship. You know the church is a good place for fellowship. Fellowship. Why well, just don't have any friends? Well, don't blame everybody else on your unfriendliness. The church is a good place for you to have friends. Fellowship. Well, I just, I'm in and I'm out. You got to have fellowship. They continue with doctrine and fellowship. And this is, gonna, this is leading to an important point later. Uh, then, then notice what it says. And in breaking of bread, this was the Lord's Supper. This is the participation in the Lord's Supper. And then it says, and in prayers, they prayed together. It's important for you as a child of God to learn how to pray to your God. And to commune with him in prayer and to ask him for things in prayer. But it's good for God's people to all pray together. There are times we have prayer meetings, we pray together. But also praying together is praying collectively, just like the prayer list that we have in Sunday school. All throughout the week, we should be praying together. We not pray, may not pray at the same time. We not, may not pray in the same hour. But we all should be in prayer for the same things. That is involvement in the church. Um, do you believe in a risen Savior this morning? Then you've got to trust Christ as your Savior if you have it. You ought to identify with Christ in baptism if you have it. To be, it's to be added to the church. Now, as you're added to the church, because we have a risen Savior, there should be involvement in the church. Boy, and, I, and, I, and I'm not picking on, because you know, I certainly didn't vote for the guy who's in office now. But the church ought to be more excited to be part of the church than it is because to be part of a Trump revolution. Oh, I'm not being very popular this morning, am I? We can, get, we can get Christians to volunteer to go house to house to register voters, but you can't get them to go house to house to invite somebody to church. Some Christians who are registered Republicans, oh, they'll donate to the Trump campaign, but if a pastor asks them to give an extra offering... So that a missionary can preach the gospel? Well, he's just meddling in my financial affairs. Oh, and by the way, that Trump campaign, they put you on auto debit, just so you know. (laughs) But yet, to give consistently to the things of God? We have a risen Savior. Savior. I'm not telling you not to be passionate about your nation. I'm, you do that however you feel you need to. The point I'm making is we have a Savior who is not dead. He has been risen. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He has called out His church. And through salvation, I am, through that message, I am saved to be baptized and to be identified with Him. I want this world to know that I've chosen Christ. I want this world to know that I believe in Him. I'm identified with his church. You cannot be identified with Christ without being identified with his church. It's in the Bible. But I thought that there's a lot of things that we think that when you compare it to Scripture are not right. They were added to the church. They participate. They were involved. Let me ask you this more How involved are you in the church? Uh, there's lots of ways to be involved. I gave you what the Scripture says. To hear the, t- the doctrine, to fe- be part of the fellowship. Participate in the Lord's Supper, be engaged in prayer. They were involved because there's a risen Savior. Number three, I've got to hasten. They were And there was investment in the church. Look at verse 44 and 45. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. We read that and somebody might be saying, oh, there it is. He's going to tell us all to go sell everything we have. Give it to the church so it can be redistributed. No, that's not what it says. They gave of their own possessions for the use of the work of God. Now, you, you look at this, and I, I believe, and they believe, we're together, and they had all things common. What they believed is we're the family of God. We're part of his church that has one single mission. And that's that this world might know. Friend, you and I need to be reminded, if somebody dies without Christ, they will pay for their sins in a literal hell. There's no cause greater than that cause. There's other noble causes. None like that cause. None with eternal consequences like that cause. It's what the church is to be busy about. I've made the statement through the last couple of years, the Emmanuel Baptist Church is not going to be a political rally. It does not mean I'm not interested in what takes place in our nation. It just means the greatest cause is the cause of Jesus Christ. And we must keep our focus as God's church. We weren't called out of this world. We weren't saved from a political party. We were saved from paying for our own sins in that horrible place called hell. And we, we identify with Christ. Christ is above every other entity and other, every other institution. We identify with him. I'm involved. Why? Because I'm going to grow in my involvement. You want to grow as a Christian? Be involved. There's some of you, you're not, as, you're, you're not growing as a Christian as you could grow because you're not involved. And by the way, Christ designed it this way. You need to be involved in his church. Well, I volunteer at the PTA and I volunteer at this Wonderful. What about God's church? How involved are you? But then there was investment. All things common. They looked at it. We're the family of God. Now, there are things, and if you're the exception to this, we probably need to have another conversation, but there are things you'll probably do for your family that you wouldn't do for somebody else. Because they're family. Why'd you do that for them? I don't even like them, but they're family. They're family. I mean, I grew up with brothers, and well, we we could do whatever to each other, but don't let anybody else do to one of them. Why? Because we're family. Well, more so with the family of God, they looked at one another. This is my family. We're the family of God. I notice what it says they did in verse forty-five: and sold their possessions and goods. Possessions and goods is not only the the the, the things that they had, but the possessions the property they had. Now, this does not mean they sold everything they had and they all lived as paupers. You know, that's, that's not what it meant. It did not mean that, that Peter was there and, and, and he was on there. He says, for, for 1995, I'll send you another prayer rug and, and then you know, sell everything you have because we need. No, that's not what it was. It was, we got to send forth the gospel. And we have some among us who are sick. We have some among us who are who are less fortunate, and it's our responsibility to take care of one another. Amen. And quite frankly, that uh, is what the church does. The church helps one another. They did not give everything they had to the apostles, but they gave everything they had to the work of God. Why is this important? This is the point I want to make, and I'll get to number four and we'll be done. It showed where their priority was. What would you be willing to do for God? Say, well, I would do anything. Well, your involvement shows if you really would. But your investment. I I joked when the power flickered out this morning. Well, I didn't joke. Before I could get from there to over there, like eight of you were like, didn't forget to pay the power bill, Pastor? Hey, it was funny, and I laugh about that because every one of them that did, I know was a giver. But it's probably somebody of their people around here can't even keep the power on. What kind of, what kind of, it's probably somebody who hadn't put something in God's work in a long, long time. You know, it's, it's this is probably not a good illustration, but I think it'll work. You, you go to a place and you need to use the restroom, and you look at it, so I'm going to go in and it says, customers only. Well, I need to do is use, use the restroom. Well, Jerks. But that's how we treat, isn't that how we treat church, though, sometimes? Well, I want to use the electricity. I want to use the, the programs. I want to use everything. And, Pastor, I want you to be there for me as soon as I need you. I'll text you, I'll call you, I'll email you. I might even show up at your door. That's why I have to move so often. I might even show up at your door. <laughs> and I think it ought to be done this way. Let me ask you this. How much have you invested into the work of God? It's the investment. It shows where your heart is. And I, and I don't mind, I mean, I, I have to, and I'm supposed to preach on this, this aspect. I need to, but it's easy when I know we're a church that gives generously. But it's a reminder because we have a risen Savior, we have a home in heaven we're looking forward to. These are just temporary possessions, and if God allows something to come into my, my hands and He impresses upon me to give it to Him, it's His possession anyway. It shows where my heart is way it says they were invested in the cause, a resurrected, is there a greater cause for you to be invested in than the cause of a resurrected Savior? I don't think so. So let's run a little checklist real quick, and I'll be very brief on my fourth point. Because there's a resurrected Savior, there is a, there ought to be an addition to the church if you're saved this morning, you ought to be an addition to His church because you are willing to identify with Him and His church. So if there's a risen Savior, there should be, and we're preaching that message of Christ, there should be continual additions to the church. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it's God's will for you to be saved. You need to receive, gladly receive the Word and put your faith in Him and be willing to identify with the one who died and paid for your sins. I don't know about you, but if I was in a, in, in a crisis and, and maybe I was drowning and, and there was somebody who went out and saved me or I was caught in a house fire and there was, there was one of those first responders that came and, and rescued me from that fire, I wouldn't act like I didn't know who they were for the rest of my life. I'd be willing to acknowledge them because they saved my life. We're talking about Jesus Christ, who if you're saved, he, pay, he saves you from an eternal damnation of paying for your own sins. Why in the world would we not want to be identified with Him? Be identified with His church. And so if we're identified with Him, if you're not, this take whatever step you need to today. If you need to trust the Lord, trust the Lord. If you need to be baptized, be baptized. Identify with Him. Be added to the church. Be involved. Maybe you're added, but you're not involved. You have a risen Savior. There's nobody greater than Christ for us to live our life for. This is the institution that Jesus founded. Man did not found the church. Jesus did. That's why we have to be very careful to operate as Jesus said to operate. as his church. I have to remind myself as the pastor, this is not my church. This is his church. Well, I'm the under-shepherd, it's my responsibility, it's my heart's desire to help care for you. He is the great shepherd. We belong to him. But how involved are we? Number three, are we investing in his church? If we all invested our time, our money, our prayers, well, you think it would benefit the church? See, we could, we could turn this nation around just like this. You mean if we had a special election? No, no, no. If everybody who claimed the name of Christ got involved in God's church, invested in God's church, you know there's missionaries that could get to the mission field years faster if God's people would invest? There's people who could be reaching our own communities if God's people would invest. Just a reminder for us, you ought to be investing. We say, well, I know all these. Okay, let me use this illustration, and I'll get to point number four next week maybe. People who invest, they invest in real estate, they invest in the stock market, they invest in their retirement account, their IRA, their mutual fund. When it comes time for them to start receiving dividends, does it do you any good because you know a guy who invested? Or you used to sit next to somebody who invested? Doesn't do you any good because you didn't invest. Same way with God's work. Just because you know somebody who invests in God's work, you sit on the same pew as somebody who invests in God's work. Doesn't mean God's going to bless you based on their investment. Number four. And they, verse 46, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They were daily, It's number four, There was daily, Attention given to the church. That word daily is used twice. you got to circle And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There was daily attention given to the church. They didn't just think about the, the church on Easter and Christmas. They didn't think about God's church just on Sunday morning or Saturday night because they had church the next day. There was daily attention given to it. How how was this attention given? They were they had one accord. They had one thing in mind. What was it? The purpose Christ had set. See, we we if we if we have a tendency to allow the world to influence us, and the world has de-emphasized the church of God's church, and because of all of these other churches that 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 exist today, these these false churches they put on a plane. It's it's man's institution and man's religion. There are those that, this is is Christ's church. It's receiving the word. Let me tell you the difference. What's the difference in all the churches? I'll give you one word, and what the difference is in every church that exists, Jesus. There's a lot of churches that'll have him on a crucifix. They'll have his name on on some sort of publication. Uh, They'll talk about him, but there's only one true church, and that's the one that believes in the death the burial and the resurrection as the only way to get to heaven. Not a way, the only way. That's what separates. Say, oh, I'm in one of those churches, absolutely. What's your responsibility? The same as it was in Acts chapter number 2, to receive the word gladly. I've got a Savior. I've got a God who loved me enough that He sent His Son to pay my sin debt. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, willingly went to the cross of Calvary and took upon me my sins, gave up the ghost, died, was buried, three days later was resurrected, having conquered death and hell, ascended back into heaven, Commission his church to preach that message right there. I'm going to gladly receive that. And I'm going to be grateful that I have a risen Savior. You want me to identify with him? I'll identify with him. I'll be be baptized. I'll be added to the church. I'll be involved. I'll invest in the work of God. I need to give daily attention. Daily attention. With one accord. That one focus. What was the one focus? Spreading the good news of the gospel. That was the focus. Friend, we as the church, we can't be bogged down with less significant causes. There's there's other causes. There's noble causes, but none as noble as the gospel of Christ. And if I've got to choose, I have to choose the mandate that Christ gives. How do we do that today? How am I going to? Daily give attention to church. I'm going to celebrate a risen Savior every day. He also tells them where? In the temple and from house to house. They were not Sunday morning only Christians. Not Sunday morning only members of the church. They said, oh, they came back on Sunday night. I don't, I don't know. I'll tell you this. They talked about him from house to house. When they went to the market, they talked about a risen Savior. Remember when you were that excited about being saved? Remember you were that excited about the message that you heard? You 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 came to a church like this at some point in your life, and a, and a, a preacher got up and preached a very pointed message on how no religion could save you. You can't save yourself. It is only in a risen Savior you can be saved. And you didn't get upset by it. You didn't get offended by it. You gladly received it. Somebody paid my sins. All i got to do is put my faith and trust in Him. And now enough times pass that when the pastor gets up and preaches like that, you're like, oh, I hope this person doesn't get offended. I hope this person doesn't get offended. Maybe you've forgotten what it was like to gladly receive that word. And that that is the message that we must continue to preach. Daily attention. Are you giving daily attention? We have a risen Savior. That's how it affects the church. I'm thankful to be a part of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. This is not the average church. I've traveled some and I've gone on in my travels, vacations, and different travels. And sadly, I've even preached in some places where it's like, I know Christ is risen, but this church is dead. But it shouldn't be that way. If you're saved, And by the way, if you're saved and you sing about that salvation and you hear preaching about that salvation, you don't have to change the atmosphere to simulate excitement. My my God is alive. This is His church. It's the one we belong to. So take the message this morning as we look at the effect of a risen Savior on God's church. Where does it fit in your life? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, hear me very carefully. If you do not put your faith in Christ, you do not receive Christ as your Savior, you will pay for your sins for all of eternity. I can't save you from that. Your friends and family can't save you from that. Nobody can save you from that. That's what God has established as a payment for violating His law. Well, I don't agree with that. doesn't matter if you agree with it. There's a lot of speed limit signs around here I don't agree with. Doesn't do me a lot of good, though. God's written His law. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior this morning, we have His church that He established to do His work. Now, because you have a risen Savior, you've got to be willing to identify with Him. Maybe you've been saved, but you've never been scripturally baptized. Say, so what should I do? You've got to be scripturally baptized when? Today. To be identified with Him. Be added to the church. Be involved in the church. I'm not against you being involved in, in other things. Not one bit unless of course it's contrary to scripture but I'm not I'm not against it I'm not against you volunteering I'm not against your involvement things that are passionate and important to you. I'm not against it at all but you should not be more involved in anything than you are in God's church because if you have a resurrected savior it's his church are you involved in it how about investing You know, when you speak to somebody else, you're investing in his church. You know, when you're friendly to somebody else, you're investing in his church. Why? Because you're investing in people. But certainly when an offering plate is passed, you're investing. When you take time to pray for the pastor, to pray for the people, to pray for the work of God to go forward, you're investing in his church. Invest in his church. And then as we think about all of these things and the investment of His church, the involvement of His church, then how are we giving it attention daily? Daily. You've got to give attention to the things of God daily. Father, help us this morning as we consider these truths.